so uh, as Anne said, my name's James. Uh, I extend my welcome as well, particularly if you're new or visiting. It's great to have you here. Um, uh, and as we start back in September, you've arrived in the middle of a, a series um, where we get a sense uh, from God uh, that what we need to do is prepare the ground uh, ahead of Vision Sunday, and not just ahead of that Sunday, but ahead of everything else that he's asking us to do within this year. On Vision Sunday, Anne will share a little bit more about that. But the, the one major thing he's asked us to do to prepare that ground is to pray. So there we go. I could sit down now and we could just pray. Um, but in fact, if we don't pray for one another, our city, our nation, uh, we may as well pack up now. There's no power in it at all. Um, uh, there's not going to be uh, any, there's no great move of God in history that hasn't been birthed in prayer. Uh, and if we want to see a move of God across the city uh, through what we're uh, seeking to do uh, and wider than that as well, then we have to pray for it. Um, and we're a very prayerful church, but we want to sharpen what that means for us as we go into this next year uh, and look at different ways of praying. So here's uh, another way. Um, so today I'm going to look at what it means to contend, what it means to contend in prayer. Um, uh, and I love that we've just prayed the Lord's Prayer. Um, these words encompass something of the heart of the Father, don't they? The way that after we've prayed for lots of things, we bring our prayers together um, with the Lord's Prayer. And there's, there's a power in that when we say it together, but it also somehow ties things off and it feels wholesome in a way. Uh, and recently in my own uh, prayer life, um, over the last couple of months, I've set an alarm on my phone for midday. It's not breaking breaking news or anything but from midday and it says Lord's Prayer uh, so wherever I am sometimes I get to pray it out loud sometimes I'm in a meeting and people think I'm talking to myself uh, but I'll say the Lord's Prayer uh, and the, the reason I've done that and the fruit of that that I've seen is that I'm just slightly more alert uh, to what God might be doing or saying um, uh, at midday every day so wherever you are you could probably do similar if you're looking uh, to grow in alertness to God uh, I'd recommend praying the Lord's Prayer at midday uh, and having something that reminds you to do so so this morning we're going to read from and I'm sorry at the back you don't know this yet we're going to read from uh, Matthew 9 Matthew 6 beginning at verse 9 and now I'm going to fill in while Andrew finds that for the screen. Um, and for, if you want to grab a Bible, they're on the shelf at the back. It's on page, um, uh, well, it begins on page 970. Um, and it's Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9. Great. And it goes like this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Deliver us from the evil one. You may have noticed that it ends with that. Um, that is the final part of the Lord's Prayer when Jesus taught that to his disciples and as a model for us to follow today. That is the end of the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from the evil one. The early church added in the final part, um, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Um, probably partly to, to, to kind of sign things off on a slightly less alarming note um, than deliver us from the evil one, amen, because um, it's slightly less alarming and probably partly to focus on God's power and authority as well, of course. Um, but the Bible is clear, if you've, if you've read it recently, uh, we are at war. 
There is a vicious battle raging all around us between the kingdom of God on the one hand and the kingdom of evil, the kingdom of darkness on the other hand. Uh, And therefore, um, there is... Sorry, I'm going to... There we go. There is no neutral ground. C.S. Lewis uh, said that back in the day. But there is no neutral ground. Therefore, there are no neutral people. We must pick our side, light or darkness. So I wonder what your side is this morning. Is your side light or darkness? Or are you on the side of the light and maybe you dabble a little bit in the darkness? This morning... I think what the Lord is saying to us is there is no neutral ground. We've got to pick our side and contend for the purposes of the Lord to be made known in this city. Um, N.T. Wright says this, when human beings worship that which isn't God, they give authority to forces of destruction and malevolence, can never say that, and those forces gain power. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And we are to be people who become enforcers, models of and people of that light and that life. It's quite a contrast, isn't it? The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, but I have come to bring life and everything that that means. Wholeness, healing. So right here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus concluded it with deliver us from evil. Uh, But if this is our model, it's often referred to as our model of prayer. Um, And Jesus even said, when you pray, pray like this. How are we to engage in this type of prayer? Particularly taking that final verse. Um, How do we contend? For ourselves, for our families, for our communities for the city, for the nation, for the world. How do we go about contending in the way that Jesus asked us to do? And there's three things I'd like to highlight this morning, and I've borrowed them all from a book I've been reading um, by a guy called Pete Gregg, and the book is called How to Pray. Um, uh, And it's a really really simple, practical guide if you're wanting to up your prayer life a little bit. I'd highly recommend it. I heard someone else was reading it in... Um, uh, in the church as well so do grab a copy of that and have a read Uh, it's an amazing uh, read but I borrowed this from Pete Gregg because he's quite a wise guy so there's three things I want to look at the first being know your enemy the second being know your authority and the third being know how to fight so they're the three things we're going to look at this morning so the first one is this know your enemy 1 Peter 5.8 says be alert and of sober mind This is the most unsubtle clicking I've ever done in my life. We've gone too far now. Here we go. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. One of the first times I became aware of this light versus darkness uh, dynamic uh, was, uh, you probably heard me share this before, but it's the most contrast story I have. When I was asked as a youth worker in my first year uh, of doing anything remotely to do with, with ministry at all, to pray around someone's house. Um, uh, and basically, there'd been a messy divorce that had taken a while, uh, and the person's partner had been doing, I don't know the details of it, but uh, a lot of dark things in the house ever since, and during the process of that divorce. 
Um, and they'd been trying to sell this house for years, years on end, uh, and it just hadn't gone through. It was a lovely house on the face of it. Why wouldn't this house sell? There wasn't a problem with the local market. There wasn't anything going on at the time. Um, but it had been on the market for years, nonetheless. Uh, people would go and look around the house. They'd love it. Um, and they'd even put, put a bid in. Then at the last minute, they'd just, they'd just pull out. It wouldn't, it wouldn't go through. And that had happened repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And they had no idea what to do. Uh, so you know what they thought? They thought, why don't we pray about it? No one else is as shocked as I was. Wonderful. Um, but, um, so they said, let's get some prayer. Um, so they asked me, not just me on my own, they asked my boss, who was the curate at the church at the time, to come along with me. Um, but he pulled out last minute, uh, meaning me, having absolutely no idea what I was doing, went round to this person's house and was like, yes, I'm here to pray around the house and sort your problem out. Um, so uh, uh, he pulled out last minute. Um, so I fumbled my way through um, praying around this person's house. I kind of thought, well, Jesus is, is kind of powerful. Uh, the cross seems to have done something. Um, uh, so I'll pray something to do with those two things. Um, so I went in, um, and I'd had a chat with a retired bishop just before uh, about it, because I was kind of thinking it would all implode on me. Uh, and he said to me, get some water, pray over it, um, and then when you prayed over that water, that God will use it for his purposes, put the sign of the cross on every doorway, every air vent, uh, every window. Um, and if you feel like you need to splash a bit of water elsewhere, then go ahead. So I went in feeling like an absolute idiot, um, praying over water, and I just start splashing water everywhere. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's something this bishop told me. Um, uh, and I was told by this bishop that the power of the cross would sort it out. Apparently, the cross is powerful. Right, I like that. That's great. Whoever has said that, amen. Um, so I did it. I was feeling slightly weird and silly. They were looking at me like I was slightly weird and silly. Um, uh, and I even got the person and her friend to do it as well. So we were all going around with this water, um, doing little crosses here and there, you know, streaking the windows where they just had them washed and all that kind of stuff. A bit of extra water here and there. And after a slightly awkward 10 minutes where I felt absolutely nothing happened, um, and neither did they. Uh, I said, well, well thanks, um, uh, I'll, I'll be off then. <laughs> and then walked home thinking, what on earth was all that about? Um, I, I don't think this ministry thing is going to work out for me. Um, the next day, uh, and I don't joke at all about this, um, I got a call, a friend of mine got a call. A, I have a friend who seems to know everything about everyone. Um, and there'd been a viewing uh, on the day that we prayed, and it had sold and gone through, and it was all going through, um, as easy as anything. And they sold the house, uh, and it had gone, literally straight away after years. Now, that could be coincidence, or it could be that there's a light versus darkness dynamic and light came in and flushed out the darkness and the victory of the cross was enforced in that place. What do you think? Should we discuss it? Or do you reckon it's a, a, a done deal? See, the best way to know your enemy is to focus on the light. It's not to focus on the enemy. It's to focus on the light. And when we become enforcers of the light, in whatever way that might be, sometimes it's just a kind word, sometimes it's just a, an act of kindness, sometimes we're praying with water around someone's house not knowing what we're doing. But as soon as we become enforcers of that light, we focus on the light and we see the darkness flee. Um, which is quite exciting, isn't it? Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sometimes it looks like darkness is one. We've probably all had or are going through experiences where it feels a little bit like that. But what we know in the Christian hope is that through the cross and the resurrection that a victory has been won. And until Christ comes and fully realises that when he returns, we become enforcers of that light. We become enforcers of that victory through love, through serving, through mercy, through justice even, what we were talking about this morning. And he will come back and finish any attempt of the enemy to cause misery and suffering in the world. What an amazing end that we have. What an amazing hope that we have. Know your enemy, the one who comes to steal, kill, destroy. The one who brings darkness, chaos. Be alert. Focus on the light. Second thing is this. Know your authority. You may be a little bit like me, sat there thinking... um, I have no problem at all recognising the reality of principalities and powers at work in the world. I can see quite clearly that there's darkness um, and then there's also light. Um, That's easy to see, but maybe a little bit like me, um, we don't necessarily understand our own personal authority to contend against these powers of darkness. Or maybe that's something that just hits something and makes us feel slightly uncomfortable this morning. Pete Gregg says this in the book I mentioned. In prayer, we are learning to rule and reign with Christ. In prayer, we are learning to rule and reign with Christ. Ephesians 1 says this. God raised him, Jesus, from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. I deliberately went for the message version there, particularly because I love that final phrase. He is in charge of it all. Paul tells the Ephesians something utterly astounding. He says that those of us who are in Christ, and that's a term he uses 164 times instead of the term Christian. Those of us that are in Christ are right up in heaven with him since God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Just nudge your neighbour for a minute, just so that you don't look too blank at me. Um, And so you are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. In heavenly realms. I'll say that again. You are seated in Christ in heavenly realms. Go for it. Messed that up a bit, didn't I? (laughs) However that came out, God knows what you mean. Um, (laughs) We have been uh, raised up uh, with Christ. You have been raised up with Christ. Um, It means that when we pray, we don't just plead for mercy in the midst of mess. We do do that. That's very obvious to us, what we're doing. But rather, we're also exercising authority from above when we pray. As those seated with Christ in heavenly places. As sons and daughters of the King, commissioned to rule and reign by his side. 
This is about knowing our standing with him in heavenly places and understanding our authority as Christians, that we're not just sitting ducks. We're an advancing army. The rest of that um, quote about ruling and reigning with Christ goes like this. This elevated perspective, this idea that we're seated with him in heavenly realms, this elevated perspective changes everything. How we view ourselves, how we view the world's problems, how we view God, and how we view prayer. Because in Christ, we are learning to rule and reign with Christ. N.T. Wright says this, To pray, deliver us from evil, is to inhale the victory of the cross and thereby to hold the line for another moment, another hour, another day against the forces of destruction within ourselves and the world. And sometimes enforcing a victory feels like we're just holding our breath for that little bit longer. Sometimes it feels like we're having a party. There's the two dynamics going on. And we have to acknowledge those two dynamics going on in our lives. We don't know how long it's going to take, but as I said already, we do know the hope of the victory we stand, that one day it will be fully realised. Know your authority, rule and reign. And then finally, know how to fight. Uh, To engage in effective contending prayer, or what others may call spiritual warfare. We need to know our enemy, know our authority, but most of all, we need to know how to fight. Otherwise, it remains in our heads and we don't have a clue what to do when it comes to it. A guy called John Piper says this, the number one reason why prayer malfunctions in the hands of of believers is that we try to turn a wartime walkie-talkie into a domestic intercom. And then he says this line, which I think is brilliant, until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Does that challenge you today? In your day-to-day? It challenges me. Almost makes me feel like a bit of a hypocrite. But I know that it's all grace. And that he invites us to step in to this. And we'll look at how to do that now. How do we do this? Um, Again, Pete, Greg, wonderful. Three questions. um, And I've added a few bits in. Um, The first is this, a diagnosis. What is the enemy's strategy against this person or this place? That doesn't mean just at church. Uh, it means at any point um, personal lives in our community, in our workplace around in the city, in the world what is the enemy's strategy against this person or place um, and to answer this um, I think one of the, the number one thing we need is common sense uh, God's number one gift to us common sense um, a great gift from God um, Uh, And it's often quite obvious what the enemy's strategy, because it's the opposite of life. Uh, You begin to see chaos, destruction, um, those kind of things. We need wisdom. Uh, Not all bad things happen, because uh, it's not all because it's necessarily demonic. 
Um, bad things happen. It's just a, a natural order of things. Um, sometimes bad things happen. Need a bit of wisdom. But we also need spiritual discernment. Satan, the devil, can be a convincing liar. Um, even ahead of today, one of the number one places he lies to us, uh, from my experience, is our identity. Um, who you are in any particular place, who you are as a child of God. Um, preparing this morning, just getting my head in it, um, I was repeatedly told in a voice in my head, you're not good enough to give this talk. You don't have anything to say. No one wants to listen to you. And the reason I know it's the devil is because he's used those words before. And that's all he's got. So me standing up here and is countering those words this morning. Because I actually think the Lord wants to give us something and wants us to pick up that authority this morning. I don't know what you've arrived with, what accusations you've heard, even, even being sat here in church this morning. Um, but God will want to come and minister truth to that uh, in a little bit. Um, so diagnosis. Second one is prognosis. If you're a doctor, you can correct me as to whether this is the right um, way around. Um, Ask yourself, what might God's better plan be for this person or this place? This is the bit we major on. Remember, we don't focus on the darkness, we focus on the light. Um, But we need to know, we need to recognise the darkness. I I like to often ask God, God, what is your original design for this person or this place? Um, And I just ask him, and and he, he tells me or shows me in some way. And then what I do is I pray it. Sometimes from a distance, sometimes I'll, I'll almost have what, what I'm now calling, I've just come up with this, a prayer conversation with someone. Well, I'm praying something in my head, but what I'm doing is I'm drawing out what I sense God is wanting to do with them. So I begin to draw it out, and more times, sometimes I get it completely wrong, and I'm fine with that, but more times than not, I begin to see that um, their authority, uh, the truth of who they're made to be, comes to the fore and lies seem to go down, and they become more truly who they are. Um, so we ask, what, what is your original design for this person or this place? Um, even speak it uh, as you pray it. Um, and to answer this, uh, we need to listen carefully to the Word. Uh, we need to read the Word. We need to know the Word, especially the promises of God. Uh, and we need to um, also uh, know the Spirit speaking. Um, if we really want to get into this, we have to use every, every tool available in the arsenal of a Christian. Uh, and the word is one of the biggest. Um, but also hearing, discerning the Spirit's voice, which I would argue you only know when you know the word. Um, so get into the word, know the promises of God, and maybe you'll be able to begin to draw out things like that in people. And it's a great joy, isn't it, when you see people set free, when you see people realise that they're loved. Has anyone ever seen someone realise that they're loved by God? Best thing in the world. And the final thing is this, prescription. What can I now do, both prayerfully and practically, to thwart Satan's plan and to welcome God's better purposes into this person, place, or situation? One example of that was a month or two ago now. We, you may have known the fire on Mill Road, uh, we've referred to it several times. Um, uh, Mr. G's, is it Mr. G's? 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 
depends whether you're local or not. Um, uh, but there was a fire there, and obviously, sadly, the shop burnt down, and so did several um, uh, businesses around it. Uh, but we arrived after being up in the night um, with 19 fire engines around. Um, we arrived uh, at work that day and actually managed to get into church even though it was cordoned off. <laughs> I wonder where everyone was. That was a great moment. And you're not meant to be in here. Could be on fire. Um, but that was a brilliant moment. I enjoyed that. But we, so we, we thought, well, we'll pray as we usually do uh, at 9am each morning. Um, uh, and so we prayed for people, for comforts, for healing. We didn't really know if anyone had been hurt at that point. And then we were like, God, what do you want us to do? Practically, what shall we do? So we opened the doors of the church. We offered our toilets. We served teas and coffees to uh, some people that had been displaced by the fire and also to the fire services, ambulance services, uh, and whatever. Um, Lord, what do you want to do? I want to bless these people today. So that's what we're going to do. That was it. That was our only motive, to love and bless. Through that, we've had amazing conversations with people in the community, um, sometimes about faith, sometimes just about, you know, building stronger community links. Um, uh, we've had nice letters saying, thank you for your professional service to us. And we were like, professional? What are you on about? But um, uh, all, all things like that. But just through praying and then going, Lord, what do you want us to do? It's quite simple, really. And in that situation, we are contending for our community. Uh, that is another example, as well as doing funny things with water. There's lots of different ways. So, coming into land, know your enemy, know your authority, know how to fight. Shall we do it? Right, let's stand together then. Lovely. Well, I'd love to um, use a prayer from, um, based on Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about um, the armour of God. Um, uh, if you're familiar with it, then go with it. If you're not, then go with it. Um, and do read Ephesians 6, um, 10 to 18, where, where Paul's practically talking about how we contend, um, uh, the, the tools that we have. Um, to be able to contend. So I'm going to pray that over us today and I'm going to give us a chance to then bring friends, family um, uh, and those around us uh, to the Lord and contend for them. And then I'll take us further from there. So you up for that? Is anyone up for receiving fresh authority this morning in Jesus' name? Four of us, great. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. No, I'm joking, joking. Um, great, well, let's pray. Let's just take a moment uh, and let's just welcome the Lord amongst us.